What's going on, everybody? It's Patrick Dang with The Parallax, and today we have a special guest, possibly one of the greatest comebacks when it comes to NFTs. We have Luca Nets, uh, CEO of Pudgy Penguins. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing great myself. I hey, uh, just want to say thanks for coming on the uh, podcast over here. really appreciate you spending the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, dude. Uh, so starting things off, right? Like, you know, some people, you know, many people already watching this, they might already know what Pudgy Penguins is. But for someone that maybe is new to it or not super familiar, how would you um, describe Pudgy Penguins to them? Yeah, so Pudgy Penguins is 8,888 NFTs that live on the Ethereum blockchain. And they are one of the most historical or historically significant PFPs in the world. But more importantly, we're a brand and a company that's focused on impacting people in a positive way. And so we have a community of elite builders and awesome community members. But from a brand perspective, our ethos is how do we build product that people love and how do we create content that makes people happy? And so that's just in a, in a brief version we know what Pudgy Penguins is, but it all started with an NFT and we were planning on building the first great IP brand ever built uh, that started yeah. with an NFT as its origin. Gotcha, gotcha. And that does make sense. Now, you know, when it comes to these interviews, you know, people see the brand, they see the project, but a lot of people also want to know who you are, right? Because you're kind of leading the charge when it comes to everything Pudgy Penguins. So, you know, um, I'm curious to know, like before you got into the whole NFT scene, like what, what were you doing before? And I did a little research, you were doing like, e-commerce and these things of that nature. Now, I'm curious to know. Yeah, so DDC and CPG is really my specialty. So I was fortunate enough to start my first direct consumer business uh, when I was 18. Our first year in revenue, we did about $5 million in sales. And our second, we did about 15. And I became a self-made millionaire at 19, uh, selling stuff online. And so that was a, a really beautiful moment in time. And it's uh, kind of how I started. Got you, got you. And then, so you started selling stuff, selling products, and then you just went to NFTs like just like randomly or like how, how'd you stumble upon like crypto and stuff? Yeah. So I was in crypto pretty early on. Uh, I got into crypto in about 2016. I just understood the fundamentals. I believe it's the basic human right for humans to be able to transact without a person in the middle. And so uh, we started mining right when I first started making money. I had like a bunch of mining rigs, you know, growing up poor, the second I had money, I just began to collect things, uh, things in the physical world. So things like bare bricks, you know, collectibles, uh, fine art, things like that. And when NFTs came around, they were just a better way to collect. And so I had a, a huge desire to collect things and a huge love for collecting things. And when NFTs came around, it just was all of the pros of collecting with none of the cons. And so I dove right, right in. Gotcha. And I'm curious to know, like, what about collecting do you enjoy? Is it that you get to like connect with other people who also collect or is it, or is it you want to show off? Like, what's the... I mean, I'm just curious, like personally, like, how do you look at things when it comes to collectibles? Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of coming back to my childhood because we grew up really poor and for show and tell, I never had anything to show. And so now that I'm older, I just want to show things. I think it's a mix of the human ego, the dopamine when you finally get something, and then also the attachment to items. And so I think it's a trifecta of about maybe three of those variables. But I don't know. It, it quite literally is a human phenomenon because I'm not the only one, right? Like I love to collect and tons of people do as well. And so, yeah, it, it's a phenomenon to say the least, but it's uh, it's one that I don't quite understand exactly, but it's one that I'm leaning into nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all kind of still figuring out. I mean, I also collect as well, so I, I totally understand what you're saying. Okay, so then you, you started collecting art, bare bricks and things of that nature. And then NFTs are basically... 
like, hey, I can collect these things, but I don't need the physical product, right? So then from there, were you just like buying up every NFT that you saw under the sun or like, how'd that go? Yeah, I got the ba- I got the bug pretty bad. Uh, and so <laughs> in all my free time, it, I mean, my girlfriend will tell you, I spent a year just obsessing over buying and collecting these things and having my digital gallery. But yeah, that's just kind of how it went down. I, it's so easy to buy an NFT and it feels so good. It's such an instant dopamine release. It's a problem for collectors for sure. In a way. Yeah, I, I can see that. And then a good, um, problem. a good problem. A good problem. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all collectors here, right? So, all right. So you're buying NFTs and you, you basically like buy a bunch of them in, during the year, right? So, what made you like, I guess, inspired to want to like run a project like in general? Yeah. So it's an interesting question. I had really no plans to do it, but I believed in the Pudgy Penguins brand so much. And from a collector standpoint, I thought it was the NFT project, the highest upside, because I believed it could go places that no other NFT project could go. And I believed it could do things that no other NFT project could do. And just knowing like branding and seeing some of the great brands that have emerged over the last five years and seeing their success and understanding, you know, the name that is Pudgy Penguins and the IP and the opportunity, something in my gut just said, hey, like you've built brands at the highest level. You know, this is no different, though. I think, you know, I learned the hard way that it's a lot different. But at the time, I was thinking to myself, it's no different than what I've done. And the bar is extremely low here. Right. Everybody is doing things in this space in terms of raising tons of money from their community and from venture. And they've done a whole bunch of nothing. And I thought to myself, why? Because it's not that hard to do stuff, especially to build a brand. And so I was like, look, I'm going to buy these things. I believe since day one, my belief never faltered and something in my gut and something in the universe or something came down and touched me and basically said, Hey, you have to do this. And so I trusted my gut. I neglected it in the past. And this was one of those moments where I decided to take a risk. You know, I'm 24 years old. If I'm ever going to do it, now's the time. Got you. And let's let's take a couple steps back because uh, I'm curious, like, so you're collecting NFTs and then, you know, Pudgy Penguins was, was doing its thing, right? So how did you, like, come to the conclusion that, like, hey, you know, this is possibly a brand that I might buy and, like, build into something? Yeah, so when I first saw Pudgy Penguins, I instantly knew it was a hit. It was a slam dunk at first sight. So I texted all my friends and all my traders you know, uh, acquaintances. And I basically said, look, you got to buy this. This is like a slam dunk. Nobody's leaning into cute, cute and inclusive is the meta. You know, today it's still cool and exclusive. Cute and inclusive really has the highest upside. And so I shared it around. They all agreed. Eight months later, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see a bunch of major players bidding on the IP and I respected them. And they were definitely really affluent characters in the NFT and crypto space, but none of them knew how to build brands or none of them were known or experienced in building brands. So I thought to myself, well, you know, Pudgy Penguins just being some native NFT IP is cool, but that's not the upside, right? Like there's really not a huge value proposition there. And to me, this is one of those few moments in life where I feel like I had an opportunity to be a part of something magical. And the IP mm. was magical. I, it, it's not even like I had to think about it. I, I knew the moment I saw a Pudgy Penguin, the first time I saw it on my feet, I was like, this is a banger. This is it. And so my conviction never faltered. Now it was just the opportunity. I was complaining about the old team and their lack of production. And what is it to complain? Now the opportunity comes that there, there's availability to buy it and I have the resources to buy it. And so I can sit there and be a complainer or I can sit there and be a doer. And so I decided to buy it and the rest is history. 
Got you, got you. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like, if you wanted to do a project, right, you can also create your own cute and fun and inclusive brand as well versus, you know, spending money to buy an existing brand because Pudgy Penguins is like at the time, not even a year old, right? So like what compelled you to want to buy it versus just like starting a fresh brand, but using similar elements that might also hit? Yeah. So the one thing that Pudgy Penguins has that you can't buy or you at least can't try to replicate it's really hit or miss is a community. And they were so tight and so close knit. And a lot of people don't know this, but the people who own Pudgy Penguins, there's a huge group of them that are just the most affluent and impactful people in crypto and NFTs. I mean, the creme de la creme, the executives and the CEOs and the founders of some of the biggest businesses in crypto are a part of Pudgy and they love Pudgy. And you can't go raise $50 million, start your own NFT project and get their buy-in. You either have it or you don't. And to me, it's the foundation necessary to really win. Like if you really want to be number one, you need that type of buy-in from those type of players. And Pudgy Penguins always had that. And those guys never sold. They loved the community. They loved the memes. They loved the vision or at least the IP or, or the thought of a future vision. I knew that all it needed was a real operator to do real things, to give them ammo to champion the brand. And that was my objective and my task. You know, I think the IP is magical, though. I think you can replicate magical IP. I think there's the right group of people and there's definitely really talented artists out there that can do that. Though I think that IP is extremely magical and I don't believe it's to be underestimated. But on the flip side, you know, the real X factor is this base of just crypto Twitter and NFT Twitter powerhouses that you can't buy. You can't convince them to buy. You, you can't outreach and, and, and market to that. You either have it or you don't. Like apes had it, right? Punks had it. Penguins have it, right? The only difference between, you know, punks and and apes versus penguins is, you know, they had, you know, a moment in time where their leadership was working at an efficient manner during a time where the market was really good. And so I believe that history will repeat itself with pudgy penguins like it did with them. And it's just a matter of timing and the right conditions coming around. But uh, I've always said this for a long time, but penguins are inevitable. Penguins are inevitable. Okay. No, I totally get that, right? Like if people have penguins and they're repping it as a PFP, you can't really convince the CEO of like XYZ to do that, right? So I understand what you're saying. Um, okay. So now that you've already purchased the brand and you're continuing to build, right? So like what what is the long-term vision? Is it like, because you got all these builders and like strong supporters of Pudgy, but then you're also going for more of a IP play where there's like plushies and there's like an Instagram account, like creating content. Like, so what's the, the high level vision there? Yeah. I mean, from a really high level, uh, a bird's eye view, we're going to build the first great web three IP company that the world's ever seen. And we're going to do that, bringing NFT technology to the masses as well as NFT IP. We're going to leverage our web three community, which I believe is a hive mind and a superpower. And there's really five initiatives and five paths to success. You know, the first one I think is consumer product goods. The second one I believe is gaming. The third one I believe is film and TV. The fourth one I believe is the right partnerships and the right licenses. And the fifth one is expanding and accruing value into the Web3 ecosystem in a, in a way that I think is detrimental with the success of Pudgy Penguins. And so... Those are really the five things that are in the forefront of my mind from a bird's eye view. And to accomplish and to build Pudgy Penguins into a multi-billion dollar business, those are the verticals that we're going to have to conquer. So so is it like you you have this base of the original, uh, like I guess, like Genesis collection, right? And then you want to create things like 
movies and uh, you tell me actually you know like let's say like you do a movie right yeah no i think it's how do you get pudgy penguin toys in every walmart and target across the country and how do you get people dying to have a pudgy penguin toy can you turn the pudgy penguin toy into a beanie baby or and what that was can you create the next club penguin right because there's an interesting nerve that we can tap into there can you create the next happy feet from a film perspective or a pengu right this is throwing it way back um, and so this is kind of the thesis here. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much dive, time diving into each vertical because one thing I do is once I start talking too much, I give a little bit too much alpha. But like from a high level perspective, that's the thesis. You know, like how do you build the world's first great penguin brand? Like think about that. Every character and every animal like lions and cats and dogs have been built in a really meaningful way. And everybody loves penguins but nobody's built a penguin brand the way that it's supposed to be. But penguin plush is everywhere. You just don't know what it is. It's just, you know, a blank plush. But the penguin character is loved and adored across the world. And we plan on being the world's first ever great evergreen penguin brand, but also the world's first ever great Web3 IP that transcends just this NFT ecosystem. I think everybody in the space or the leaders in the space are looking within the space to create and you know, my objective and where I believe Pudgy Penguin's role is going to play in growing Web3 is being the Trojan horse, being the unintimidating character to make people fall in love, not only with the IP, but with the message and with the brand and how to do that, um, I think, is across those five verticals. But over the course of time, um, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, movie and show to watch. So if someone were to create like a uh, modern IP today, right, they don't necessarily need to have that Web3 element, right? They can have the movies, the toys and things like that. So what I'm curious to know is like where, like what is the advantage of being a Web3 uh, brand per se, like a native brand moving and then moving into like mainstream? Yeah, so the NFT is an incentive mechanism that bridges the consumer and the brand at least in, from an IP perspective, in a way that has never been done before. And so don't underestimate the voices of 5,000 people echoing to all of their friends, family, and followers about something, because the chain reaction there can be really, really special. And so from my perspective, you know what makes it different and what makes it better is with an NFT, you have your first, first 5,000 super fans. You have your first 5,000 affiliates, your first 5,000 champions, your first 5,000 customer reviews, your first 5,000 feedback loop. And so why would I go start an IP, you know, me in a basement or in an office somewhere all by myself? If you actually look at it, this is why I think what we're doing and what we're trailblazing is so important. Making a traditional IP in the real world is almost impossible. But with NFTs, you can kind of fundraise quick. And then you also have this superpower where people will champion and promote your IP in a really expedited fashion in a way that has never been done before. And so to me, the NFT is that incentive mechanism because you have 5,000 holders, you have this NFT, and then you have the brand. And the more that the holders champion the brand, the more successful the brand becomes. And the more successful the brand becomes, the more successful the NFT becomes. And so you have for the first time, consumer and brands interests are mutually aligned. And that is the superpower. And that is why Web3 is better versus building in Web2. Now it has its own set of cons, right? Like it's definitely emotionally draining in terms of, you know, some of the 
interaction that you have to constantly do on a daily basis. Like it is hard, but I think the, the pros outweigh the cons. I see. So do you feel like so far, you know, just being a Web3 brand and like having, you know, these thousands of people kind of championing the Pudgy Penguins brand, like has it helped you like get into different rooms, different opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have if you were, you know, just a regular Web2 IP? Oh, completely. I mean, holders are putting oh, yeah. in group chats with, I mean, the other day, one of our holders uh, introduced me to Paul Nicklin and Paul Nicklin is National Geographic's number one photographer. And he's known for some of the most famous penguin pictures. He has like 10 million followers on Instagram. I had like multiple meetings with Paul Nicklin, a guy that I used to look up to watching on the Discovery Channel. And I didn't make that introduction. He didn't reach out to me. I didn't reach out to him. A holder connected me via email. I was like, great. Right? Like, Talk about that. So maybe there's something to be done with Paul Nicklin. That's a partnership that would take, you know, a whole back and forth with a BD team or your head of partnerships. He would be handling that. And instead, it just fell into my lap, i.e. the power of Web3. Got you. Got you. So then you could take that example and then like multiply by however many, so many people in that network. And just because someone has a pudgy, they're like, hey, man, like you should meet this guy. Like just easy as that, huh? Yeah. So I guess when you when you start creating this IP, right, whether it's movies, toys, and all these things, right, obviously that's going to build more attention for the brand, right? And I'm just curious to know your thoughts on, do you feel that the more attention a brand has in general, like that actually drives value back into the uh, NFT holder? Like, I'm just, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just curious to know your opinion on it, you know? Oh, 100%. I mean, Bored Ape is Bored Ape because they put on a brand awareness masterclass in the best market condition, right? Like in the best, at the best moment, at the best time. It's a brand, at the end of the day, it's brand awareness, right? And so it's like, how big is your top of the funnel? Because if your top of the funnel is 10 million people, and then you have on the bottom of your funnel, 8,888 pudgy penguins, out of 10 million fans and consumers, you're telling me that 1% of them won't want to buy the NFT? I mean, of course they will. Right. I mean, that's like it's fandom. It, 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 it's behavior we're already seeing today with things like Pokemon, things like Magic Gathering, things like Bakugan. Like, I mean, the list is endless. Right. And people spend a tons of tons of money when they're super fans. And all you need is one percent to really participate. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, who's going to win and who's going to lose is going to be based on brand awareness and who can market better. Obviously, I think there's ways that you can ruin that. I think there's a lot of things you have to do in between that. But the person who's going to be number one and the person who's going to be number five, if they all do the same things correctly, right? They all communicate. They all listen to their community. They all innovate. They build tech. They build product. The one who's going to win is the one with the most brand awareness. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like we are kind of in the attention economy, right? So then whoever has the attention can kind of redirect their attention into anything they choose, technically, right? Yeah. And then one, one thing I'm curious to know is um, I, I was listening to uh, another interview that you did. And then you kind of mentioned the idea of like, you know, if someone holds a pudgy penguin and then that pudgy is used in something that there's like this whole IP thing, maybe that they get something back because it was used. Like, can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that to really accrue value to holders, there's a couple different verticals, but one that we want to spearhead at pudgy is licensing. So Board Ape has an approach where they just basically say, hey, you have the right to license and monetize your IP. And that's a great model. I think that's a really good frictionless model. But at its core, you know, one out of every thousand people or one out of every 500 people know how to do that. And so at scale, 
to really accrue value in a way that I believe is super meaningful, the brand has to take initiative. And so I'm thinking of it from my perspective. Well, I know I have to make product. I know I have to make toys and collectibles and t-shirts and hoodies. I know I have to make content on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and YouTube. And so when I do these things, I need to be using Penguin IP, obviously, right? Because our, our brand is Pudgy Penguins. And when I use Pudgy Penguin IP, why would I go make a Pudgy Penguin that doesn't exist on the blockchain? I might as well pull it off of you know one of the 8,888 and use that asset to create a product or a piece of content. And when I do that, there's somebody on the other side of it who owns that because we don't own any Pudgy or we own you know, 20 Pudgy Penguins internally at the team. And so it's my responsibility, and this is just how I think of it, but I should pay you for the right to use your Pudgy Penguin in a toy. And I should pay you for the right to use your Pudgy Penguin in a collectible or in an Instagram post or in a Giphy, you know, in a GIF. And so this is where I think things are going to get really interesting for us because we're going to spearhead this in a way that I think nobody's even imagining. And in the next, you know, 10 to 12 weeks, this will kind of come to fruition. And it will be something that I think is really going to change the space forever. And so being able to show people that, hey, you own something. We have a vision of building a multi-billion dollar brand. And when we do that, we're taking you along with the ride and not just saying, hey, we hope your NFT accrues value. We hope the funnel model works. Like we're going to make sure that when we build product and that we make content, you're involved. And that's scalable, right? I can, I can get it every Penguin if we're licensing and co-publishing on content, right? And this is where I think uh, things are going to get really, really interesting. I see. And just just to clarify, so it would be you guys as Pudgy Penguins, you're like, hey, we're going to do a plushie, for example, right? So you would pick out one of the penguins or a couple of the penguins out of the you know 8,000 some, and you would tell that guy, hey, we chose your penguin, so we're going to give you you know a licensing royalty or something like that. Is that is that right? Yeah. And so moving forward, we're going to do a lot of upfront payments. So it'll be, hey, you have a pudgy penguin. Mm -hmm. I want to mm -hmm. pay you five ETH to make that pudgy penguin a collectible. Yes or no? They'll click yes. Uh, right? Or yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you we have an Instagram post. We'll pay you 0.1 Ethereum for the right to use your penguin in an Instagram post. Free point one, free money, right? And so that's, true. that's how the cycle continues. And and so eventually, again, as we make more money, if our brand or when our brand is making hundreds of millions of dollars a year selling toys and products, which I think we can achieve. Instead of point one, I can give you one Ethereum because our Instagram is more powerful. It's converting higher. There's more ROAS, so I can share more of the value. To me, it's all about sharing the value and the story. Somebody asked me earlier today, well, doesn't that kind of, you know, isn't that a loss, a sunk cost? Uh, from a ROAS perspective, like a return on ad spend, yeah, probably. But it's not about ROAS, it's about the story. It's about the narrative and it's about changing IP forever. So then if someone, let's say they want to buy a Pudgy Penguin, and they're like, okay, maybe I might get lucky. And then they might hit me up and, you know, use my pudgy for something, right? Is it like... Well, in, in the future, or, it's I, I don't want to give yeah, too much alpha, but there's going to sure, be a sure. place where this is going to be really easy. And as long as you're participating in the Pudgy Penguin ecosystem and you're following the account and you're, you know, paying attention to what Pudgy Penguins is doing, you'll be able to participate and you won't miss out. Got you. Which makes sense, right? Because you would want to also, in some way, reward people who are active and championing the brand, right? So if there's a way for them to be like, hey, you know, raising my hand, you might feel like, all exactly. right, let's use this guy. Ah, okay. That's actually quite interesting. So it incentivizes a person to just hold and, and participate. And participate. Simple. It incentivizes holding and participation, which is really the key. Because if you can incentivize enough people to hold and enough people to participate, then again, that comes into a moment. It's like math. There's an inflection point and then boom, pudgy penguins, 
you know, the NFTs become really hard to get. Yeah, because everyone because the narrative would be so strong, and someone would be like, "Oh, like they use my penguin in this thing, and then I got this." What I need, I need a fudgy penguin too. Okay, I totally, sure. I totally get, I totally, get, <laughs> I totally get what you mean, man. Um, which is actually quite, quite innovative in a sense, to be honest. Another question that I actually have is like, so far you've already done plushies, and you like you put them in stores and things like of that nature, right? So far, so plushies we go to market end of quarter one, beginning of quarter two. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not in the market yet. It's just like, yeah, uh, so everything will go to market, which is what I'm excited about because that's like really, you know, my specialty and what I do best is, you know, make products go viral. So I'm excited. Oh, I see. I see. Cause I, like if you, if you put a, like a, let's say a pudgy penguin in the, for example, like Toys R Us or something like that. Right. If someone's like walking through the store in Toys R Us and they see the penguin, what if they don't make the immediate connection to like, Oh, like that's pudgy penguins from the web three brand. They're just a random person, right. In like whatever city that put that penguin is at. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that that's the nature of, you know, a lot of products in retail, like, it's it's just as much, you know, putting a, a pudgy penguin in a retail store is just as much a marketing, you know, initiative as, as anything else. Right. And so some will be familiar, some won't be. But the beauty is, is making sure that when they purchase the product, the experience makes them want to learn more. Right. So this is where a lot of people go wrong. But making sure that 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 experience is interesting enough, and that people love it enough to take a deeper dive. If they're interested in the penguins, maybe they learn more about it on Twitter or find it on Instagram and stuff like that. Exactly. Not, and so the beauty not, right? is, is yeah. yeah, we're we're pudgy penguins. We're easy to find. We have a blue check on every social media. It's at pudgy penguins. Mm. If you're looking for the brand, um, you'll find it. Mm, got you. And then, do you also plan to have like, let's say, because you guys as pudgy penguins want to use the different penguins and use it for different licensing things, right? Now, on the other end, do you also want brands to like build a company on top of Pudgy Penguins and like say like, hey, I'm going to buy like five of these. Let's do a, a band or let's do a, you know, something. Oh, totally. And I tell the community this, you know, my thing is, is we just are really keen. Like we're a family friendly brand. So the only thing you can't do is, you know, make a cigarette company with Pudgy Penguins smoking cigarettes. Right. And so that is something that we would control and that we would kind of shut down. But as long as it's, you know, something that's PG, it has our blessing. And so that's one of the superpowers about Web3 again is you have these, they have the right to leverage the Pudgy Penguin brand and make amazing products and do amazing things with it. And so, you know, this is where our interests align. Uh, as long as it's a good representation of us, it's something that I tell the community all the time, like I want you guys to do and I want you guys you know, to get creative and it has my mm. support it needs to happen to reach that point where you're attracting like the best talent to be like, oh, you know, like if I'm going to do a brand in XYZ, I got to get a pudgy. So when people are deciding to build into Web3, right, they have the option to build on top of a brand like Pudgy or Bored Ape or whatever it is. But if they have the skill set, they, they will also think, hey, you know, why don't I just create my own NFT project and just like own the whole IP, right? So I'm curious to know for Pudgy, like what needs to happen to attract uh, all these entrepreneurs and you know business owners to want to build on top of the IP? Yeah, versus I think doing, I need to do a, yeah, yeah, yeah I need to do a better job incentivizing and encouraging and motivating. I think is probably one, which is actually a, an interesting question. And two, you know, to the NFT project side, easier said than done, and it is a commitment. And so some people might not be ready to make a thousand percent commitment. Maybe somebody wants to create, you know, a pudgy penguin hot sauce as a hobby on the side, right? And they're doing it after work and they spend three or four hours. I mean, if you decide to go make an NFT project, be ready uh, to give it 150% and 
if not be ready to face the consequences. And, and not a lot of people are experienced here. So somebody may be like, hey, I want to go. I, I, I've been in fast food for 20 years. I don't want to go make my own NFT project. I'll just go take this pudgy penguin and make a burger joint out of it. And so it's really based on core competencies and what people are good at. And uh, sure, that's kind of where sure. the variable exchange lies. Okay, that's fair. Because not everybody wants to start an NFT project because it comes with a lot of stress and burden and problems as well, right? So if they can exactly. just like use the IP and do a burger joint or hot sauce or something, that actually might be easier for them, right? They'll be like, oh, I don't have to worry about the floor price. Exactly. And trust me, worrying about the floor prices. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge in itself. I totally understand. So is there any, anything like, you know, in particular that you kind of wanted to like share with the community in terms of like future plans or, you know, maybe any things that you felt like was important? To share? Yeah, the community is pretty familiar, but this is the year. Like this is a year, you know, 2023 is a year where I think we made huge, we make huge strides and we show the world. We really put numbers on the board. That's what I'm all about. Right. And so I can't control floor price. I can't control market conditions. What I can do is put numbers on the board. And when people are deciding to make a decision as to which NFT they're going to buy, they're going to look at what everything Pudgy Penguins has done. They're going to look at everything everybody else has done. And if they are interested in somebody who is really pushing the envelope and getting things done in a way that nobody else is. They're going to make a decision to come to the Pudgy Penguin community. If they, for some reason, don't want to be a part of that, then, you know, my ethos here is you can only deny greatness for so long. And so it's my job to make Pudgy Penguins great. And it may not translate in real time, but eventually it will. And uh, when that when that greatness transpires, um, it will transcend anything anybody is doing in Web3. Uh, and I believe we're going to be the people to really bridge the gap. I really believe we're going to be the IP and we're going to be the project to bring people from the regular world, from the world we all are accustomed to or we're accustomed to, and bring them into this one. Um, I believe we're the best position to do it. I believe our strategy and our ethos and our messaging uh, is the best position to accomplish that goal. Got you. Got you. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I totally understand the vision. So as we go ahead and uh, wrap up our interview over, over here, I mean, that, that was a nice, uh, nice message over there, but are there any final words that you kind of want to leave our audience before we go ahead and get out of here? I hope everyone's having a great day. And if you're not, be grateful because um, things can get tough, but things always get better. It's not uh, NFT advice or NFT alpha, just life advice. Yeah. Just life in general, right? Yeah. All right. I hear you. All right, Luca. Well, I appreciate you coming on the Parallax. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. And if you want to check out Pudgy Penguins, just check them out. They have all the socials, Twitter, Instagram. You can find it easily. Um, so yeah, Luca, man, thanks for coming on. I'll catch you later. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. See ya. All right.